Welcome to America the Bazaar. I'm your host, Jordan Rausch. And I'm Jeremy. This is a weekly history podcast that deep dives into all the stories that made America into the beautiful weirdo she is today. Yes. And we told you last week that we would report on anything crazy that happened during the inauguration, and I don't think anything crazy happened. Except for the fire Bernie memes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Bernie wearing mittens and a coat was, like, about as wild as the inauguration got. Yep. So it was pretty pretty chill. Right. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay for America to chill out sometimes. Right. We can all just take one collective deep breath in, deep breath out, and just yeah, just chill, chill out for a bit. So this week's presidential trivia is: Which two presidents have stared at a solar eclipse without glasses on? <laughs> There's been more than one. Oh gosh, uh, I don't. I don't even have a guess. I'm gonna guess. <laughs> Do you have a guess for at least one of them? I want to say Bush. You think it was Bush? <laughs> one of them was. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd, I'd hope not, but I'm gonna throw that one out there as well. You really don't hope that any of your presidents stares <laughs> directly into the solar eclipse, but it's happened twice. At yeah. least twice that we know of. Oh, man. Yeah, that's the only one I'm going to guess on. Okay. Well, the answer will be at the end of this episode, so stay tuned. The USS William D. Porter was a high-bridge destroyer built during World War II and was placed in commission on July 6, 1943. Did you say hybrid destroyer? High bridge. High bridge. Yeah. Just like a really tall. It had a high bridge on the ship. (laughs) Okay. Which is where the captain stands, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the ship was under the command of Commander Wilfred Walter. The ship was nicknamed the Willie D. Oh, Willie D. The old Willie D. And it was outfitted with a main batter of five thirty-eight caliber guns, several twenty. Batter. Oh, battery. It was outfitted with a, a batter. A batter. Sorry. <laughs> Pancake or. I meant a battery. Fish. Sure I forgot ship. the why. <laughs> uh, five thirty-eight caliber guns, several twenty mm and forty mm triple A guns, which I'm not sure what those are. But I don't I don't know. Not a not a sailor. It's not a <laughs> you're not up to date on all the World War Two ship guns. I'm not. Me Sorry. Neither. And then ten high speed torpedoes that carried five hundred pound warheads. Hmm. During the war, time for training was short, and the very young one hundred and twenty five man crew of the Willie D only had four months to learn their jobs and get acquainted with the large ship. What? How many days? They only had, they had four months. Jeez. But a lot of these sailors were like 17, 18 yeah. years old. Yeah. And they only had about a handful of actually trained sailors on this ship. Hmm. The first mission of the Willie D was to escort the new fast battleship, the USS Iowa, to northern Africa in November of 1934. 
the USS Iowa would be carrying President Franklin D. Roosevelt, who was secretly traveling to the Middle East to meet with British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, Soviet Premier Joseph Stalin, and Chinese Generalissimo Chiang Kai-shek during the Tehran conferences. Hmm. On November 12th, the Willie D. undocked from Norfolk, Virginia, in order to meet up with the USS Iowa. As they were leaving, one of the sailors forgot to raise the anchor up all of the way. Uh-oh. Just part of the way. Yep. The anchor dragged along the side of a nearby sister ship, taking out railing, life rafts, and other valuable equipment, which successfully demolished the ship. Oh, no. The Willie D. had only a slight scratched-up anchor. Commander Walter gave a quick apology for the screw-up, but said they really needed to go to make it to their mission, so bye. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Sorry about your boat. It's <laughs> a so hit and run. Yeah, it was. Somebody call the cops. <laughs> He's like, here's my, here's my insurance information. <laughs> <laughs> Just says U.S. government on it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I think that was back in the days before the Federal Torts Claim Act, so... What's that? Uh, basically, you can't sue the government for... Ah. Well, I, there was another government <laughs> ship that oh, you screwed up, oh, so... Oh, yeah, yeah. Either way, anyways. Yeah, yeah anyways. Government's like, we're for the bill anyways. Yeah, exactly. Keep going. <laughs> the Willie D. then caught up with the USS Iowa, who was also being escorted by two other destroyers and two aircraft carriers. You gotta... You bring a lot of guns and everything wow. when you're escorting the president, president across the ocean. In a boat. Yeah. 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 Especially when it's secret. Right. Well, I guess either way, but. Yeah, but wouldn't they be like, why are there so many ships? What's on that one ship that they're all surrounding and protecting? You, you would know? think so. Put a bit of submarine. I feel like that's more discreet. <laughs> the ships were going through an area known to be occupied by Nazi U boats, so all of the ships had strict instructions to maintain complete radio silence. Mm. So they're trying to be quiet so nobody realized there was a whole bunch of ships a, in one spot. A navy, a navy of <laughs> ships. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone on the Iowa knew that Roosevelt was on board because it's kind of hard to keep like, him a secret. Keep him a secret when he's on your ship. But most of the sailors on the other ships only knew that their mission was high stakes. Mm. Sometime in the first 48 hours of the mission, a large explosion rocked the water. The sonar on all of the ships started going off, and the crews began to start searching for the enemy boat that had caused the explosion, while also executing evasive maneuvers so they wouldn't be shot. <laughs> then, the Willie D signaled that there was no enemy boat. Because this mission was going to take eight days, the ships were supposed to keep up with their training maneuvers during the mission. The Willie D was supposed to practice a drill where they dropped disarmed depth charges into the water. That were armed. <laughs> well, yeah. The crew never disarmed the depth charges. <laughs> and while at sea, one of the depth charges just rolled off the deck and then exploded underwater. Oh, God. <laughs> so, <laughs> shortly after everyone <laughs> calmed down, realizing that there was no enemy boat. Changed their shorts. Yeah, they got back to continuing the mission. The Willie D's like, our bad guys. <laughs> It's all good. Just us. We just dropped a bomb in the water. <laughs> yeah, good thing it didn't hit anybody. Yeah. So then they continue on with the mission. Then a freak wave hit the Willie D, causing all of the equipment that hadn't been secured to be washed overboard, including a man who was never seen again. Oh. 
Then one of the boilers in the engine room went kaput. Yeah, went kaput. So Commander Walter had to make reports to the USS Iowa on the Willie D status every hour. Mm-hmm. So they're not the Willie D's not doing so hot. Yeah, geez, I'll say. And isn't that the one the president's on? No, he's oh, on, the on Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is day two. <laughs> they're like, why did we bring those guys? <laughs> this is this is day two of the first mission of the Willie D, and they like oh, so so far man. they've ruined another boat. <laughs> they've dropped a depth charge, <laughs> and one of their boilers stopped working. Uh, four months of training wasn't enough. No, it was not. <laughs> on the morning of November fourteenth, the convoy was just east of Bermuda, and the weather was very nice. The Iowa offered to show Roosevelt... Almost too nice. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh no, we're in the eye of the storm! <laughs> the Iowa offered to show Roosevelt and his staff aboard how the ship could defend against an air attack. They're basically like, hey, this is going to be a long trip. Want to see something cool, Mr. President? <laughs> yeah, you want to see some ship blow up? Yeah, exactly. The president was like, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course I do. I'm sure he's like, um, yeah. Out on his lawn chair, just he's in his wheelchair, but he's like on his wheelchair on the deck. And yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, show, blow some stuff up for yeah, me. Yeah. So the Iowa launched several weather balloons that they would use as anti-aircraft targets. President Roosevelt enjoyed the display, and from six thousand yards away, the crew of the Willie D watched the Iowa shoot down the weather balloons. Our turn. <laughs> Seeing Iowa miss a few of the balloons. Oh, no. Commander Walter decided that it was time for the Willie D to redeem its reputation. (laughs) And shoot the Iowa. Commander Walter (laughs) sent his crew to their battle stations, and the gunners began firing on the balloons. And they did a good job. They shot sent down some of the balloons. What else did they shoot? They were doing such a good job (laughs) that Commander Walter also sent a crew to conduct a drill where they would practice firing torpedoes at another ship. The only difference between a torpedo drill and a real combat situation is that the crew is supposed to remove all of the primers that actually launch the torpedoes during a drill. Oh, no. Crewman Lawton Dawson and Tony Fazio went to work removing the primers for the torpedoes that could launch out of any of the Willie D's four tubes. And all but two of the tubes. Next, the crew needed a target to practice shooting a torpedo at. The Iowa! The closest and largest target was the USS Iowa. <laughs> God. They're gonna... Uh, they're not even past Florida yet. <laughs> they're in the... They're, like, near Bermuda. Oh. Yeah. When Dawson and Fazio signaled that they were ready, the bridge officer gave the command to fire. The crew went through all of the steps to fire a torpedo. After a pause, in which the bridge officer would have confirmed that a torpedo had indeed been fired in a combat situation, the bridge officer yelled, Fire 2! Said, Fire! Pause. Fire 2! Oh. Indicating the next one. But they only removed the primer from one. But but the primers are gone, so no torpedo actually left when he said fire. Right, on fire one. Right. What about fire 2? Nope. Um, nothing. No, t- no torpedoes. Mm-hmm. So the bridge officer paused again and then shouted, fire three. Instead of silence during the pause, <laughs> a loud whoosh could be heard as a live torpedo flew out of the tube towards the USS Iowa. <laughs> oh, no. 
Oh, no. The bridge officer began to run around asking for confirmation on if a torpedo had actually been launched at the President of the United States. <laughs> and then asked Commander Walter if he had said to actually launch a torpedo. And Commander was like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Me? At the distance that they were at, it would take about two minutes for the torpedo to reach the Iowa. Because of radio silence, Commander Walter had a signalman use a flashing light to signal to the Iowa that a torpedo was headed straight for them. Wait, towards you or towards us? <laughs> well, unfortunately, the signalman was either flustered or not fully trained in his job or both. Mm. And he signaled to the Iowa that a torpedo had been fired, but that it was headed in the opposite direction of the Iowa. Then realizing his mistake, he signaled to the Iowa again, but this time signaled that the Willie D was going full speed in reverse. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I still doesn't know that a torpedo's headed straight for them. Do they not realize what they said? Hey, we just lost a tornado the other way, torpedo the other way. And we're going <laughs> full speed in reverse. Cool story, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like... Not having any more time to get the light signal right, Commander Walter broke radio silence and had the radio man send the message, Lion, which was the codename for the Iowa, Lion, come right. Because there was supposed to be, in radio silence, the Iowa was suspicious of the message and responded, Identify and say again, where is submarine? Mm. He's thinking, oh, who's shooting at us? Where's the submarine? Mm -hmm. The Willie D responded, Torpedo in the water! Lion, come right. Emergency, come right. Lion, come right. Finally, it was realized by the Iowa that a live torpedo was coming straight towards them. The Iowa turned up the speed and made a hard turn to port to get out of the way of the torpedo. When President Roosevelt heard that a torpedo was coming for them, he asked to be wheeled to the bridge wing so that he could watch the torpedo go by. <laughs> He's like, might as well watch it. <laughs> See a torpedo go by. <laughs> It might be my last few moments, but it'll be cool. Yeah, either go by or smash into the side of us. Yeah. Roosevelt's Secret Service obliged and also drew their pistols so they could shoot the torpedo if it got too close. <laughs> and then, like, all of these guns on the USS Iowa were also manned by, like, the sailors, and they were also shooting at the torpedo. Oh, no. Hoping that it would explode before it got to them. Oh, no. Yeah. So everybody's <laughs> shooting their guns at this freaking torpedo. <laughs> <sighs> luckily the wake of the iowa's propellers caused the torpedo to explode at a far enough distance away from the iowa to not cause any damage so they're safe the president is safe <laughs> quit, quit messing around <laughs> willie d yeah. what are you doing and was he <laughs> immediately removed from command <laughs> we'll get to that and roosevelt's this, this is this is like Less than 72 hours into the mission, yeah, and yeah. all of these things have happened. The weather was too nice. It was too nice. <laughs> and Roosevelt's diary from the trip, he wrote, On Monday last, a gun drill. Porter fired a, a torpedo at us by mistake. We saw it, missed by 1,000 feet. Jeez. I feel like that's a pretty boring entry for how it went down. Right. When the USS Iowa asked the Willie D who had launched the torpedo, they all just everybody just did it pointing at the one guy. In the Captain Walker responded that the Willie D had. He's like, um, it was us. Immediately, the Iowa trained all of her guns onto the Willie D in case that the Willie D was trying to assassinate the president. 
Oh. Yeah. Well, they're like, you just fired a torpedo at us. Obviously, you're not friendly. <laughs> yeah. The Willie D was ordered to go to Bermuda, while the rest of the convoy continued on to North Africa with the president. <laughs> when they arrived in Bermuda, the ship was surrounded by armed marines, and the entire crew was placed under arrest and escorted to land, where an official inquiry into what had happened began. Oh, yes. <laughs> you just imagine being like one of the crew members not involved. You're just like, what the f- this, And this was the first time that entire crew had been put under... Uh- Underway. Had been put under arrest, like... Mm. Well, maybe. Well, no, they were all arrested. No, but you don't know that that was the first time any of them had ever been arrested. Well, anybody in the crew? Mm-hmm. It was the first time an, an entire crew oh. had been arrested oh. at one time. Yes. That's what I meant. Is it the only time? Uh, I don't know if it's the only time, but I do know it was the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do making records. Right. The inquiry discovered that Dawson had accidentally left the primer in tube number three. When the torpedo launched and he realized his mistake, Dawson threw the fired primer case overboard so that he wouldn't get into trouble. Oh, no. Just panicked. Yeah. After Dawson confessed, he was sentenced to 14 years of hard labor. However, his sentence was later commuted by Roosevelt, who said that no punishment should be given for what was clearly an accident. Yeah. Which... That's a part you want to hear about. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Walker. And oh, you mean you only had four months of training? Yeah. Oh, you're 18 years old and you screwed up? Like, I'm going to give you a pass on this yeah, one. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're not allowed to, like, shoot torpedos anymore, but... <laughs> yeah. You don't try and join the Navy. <laughs> yeah. If you do, you're going to be in something like communications. Yeah. Or... Just go home. Really, just go home. <laughs> Captain Walker and several other members of the crew were kicked off the Willie D and were assigned to mundane land assignments. When the Willie D returned to sea, it was often greeted by other ships with, Don't shoot, we're Republicans. That's <laughs> 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 like the big joke. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was embarrassing for new sailors when they found out that they had been assigned to this ship. <laughs> like, no! <laughs> what did I do to deserve this? Yeah, who, did I, who did I make angry at me? Yeah. Bill Glover, who was assigned to the Willie D in 1944, said, Once you fired a torpedo at Roosevelt, then everyone is looking at you, and you get noticed for all the little things that everyone else is doing, too. There are a lot of rookies in the service in 1943. Mistakes were made because 17-year-olds don't know how to not make mistakes. The Willie D was then assigned to the Aleutian Islands off of Alaska for a year, where the crew worked hard to improve the ship's reputation. (laughs) We're just going to send you away. (laughs) (laughs) To the frigid north. Yeah, we're just going to get you out of the way for a hot minute. You guys work on yourselves. (laughs) While taking a break during exercises, one of the sailors came back to the ship drunk after leave. The sailor decided that he wanted to fire one of the guns and quickly jumped on one before anyone could stop him. He fired a five-inch shell, which landed in front, which landed in the front yard of the base commander's home. Oh no! While he was hosting a party for some of the officers and their wives of the Willie D. <laughs> Was it? I, no, I don't think it was officers of the Willie D. <laughs> it might have been. It was That'd just be other officers at the base. But it was just, yeah, they're just having a nice barbecue and all of a sudden, 
<laughs> right in his front yard. Um, luckily, no- nobody was hurt, but the base commander wasn't too excited about his party ending <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, everybody just hears that, like, whizzing sound. Like, yeah. Wee. Yeah. Even though it seemed like the Willie D was just bad luck, the Navy needed the ship for the final campaigns in the Pacific. So <laughs> they're like, oh god, this is the one. They're like, is there anybody else we can send? <laughs> we got Any- a rust bucket? Anybody else. We got, do we have a bathtub? Yeah. Floats? <laughs> the Willie D left the Aleutian Islands to go to the Pacific and took part in operations in Mindoro and Lingayen Gulf. In March of 1945, the Willie D was sent to Okinawa. The ship's job was to patrol out in the ocean and shoot down Japanese aircraft before they got too close to the America's bigger ships. Hmm. During one patrol, the Willie D was busy shooting down kamikaze pilots that each had enough explosives aboard their planes to sink a destroyer. As one of the kamikazes flew down low and was headed straight towards the Willie D, the Willie D successfully shot down the plane. Nice. The whole crew cheered when the plane began to fall into the ocean, missing their ship. After the plane hit the water, it kept moving, because it's still moving at such a high speed. Hmm. So it kept moving until it was under the Willie D. Oh, no. Where it then exploded. Hmm. And it with and exploded with enough force to lift the Willie D straight out of the water. Whoa. Yeah. When the Willie D came back down, it cracked the keel of the ship, severed steam lines, and warped the hull plating. A fire broke out while the ship also began to flood. For three hours, the crew tried to save the ship, but they were eventually told to abandon it. Twelve minutes after the order to abandon ship was given, the ship rolled onto her starboard side and sank stern first. Wow. All of the men aboard the Willie D were rescued as the ship sank to 2,400 feet below the water surface. And there it rests forever. <laughs> there has been no efforts made since then to, to recover, recover the Willie D. Nope. Really? That's and that's the end of the Willie D. Yep. That's yep. where that's where it is. That's where she lays. Off the shores of Okinawa. <laughs> Jeez. The US the USS William D. Porter was later awarded four battle stars for her action during World War II. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many possible battle stars you can get, but <laughs> she she gave it her all there right at the end. <laughs> yeah. But if you take away the negative stars she got before that, then... Yeah, exactly. Uh, wow. That's the story of the Willie D. Probably the <laughs> ship with the most bad luck. <laughs> I would even gather... I mean, the Titanic killed a lot more people, and that was a bad luck ship, but a lot of bad things happened to the <laughs> Willie D. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just can't imagine. Just like... Just like too gung ho of a captain or commander on that ship when you have the president. Like, are you really even in an exercise? Like, kind of <laughs> aim a torpedo at the president, even a fake torpedo, right? And I don't know if Commander Walter knew the president was aboard the Iowa, but it still seems reckless to shoot it fake torpedoes at another ship. All right? Maybe not. Maybe that's. Standard practice. Standard, but it just seems... But who was checking the 17-year-old... That's my thing, is... That pulled the primers, like, wouldn't you be like, all right, how many primers do we have here? You'd also think that somebody would be like, okay, you go and remove the primers. All right, this is like the first time we've ever done this. 
I'm going to go check your work. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're 17. <laughs> Unless the commander was also 17. <laughs> Everybody's 17. <laughs> oh, you made full bird colonel and you're 17. <laughs> yeah. Seems about right. Oh, <laughs> uh, shoot. It's just Roosevelt came so close to his <laughs> life ending in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> and he just wanted to see it. <laughs> yeah. I just like that a Secret Service was going to shoot it with his pistol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's a torpedo. It's, it's literally torpedo. designed to destroy ships. Yeah. Um, my sources for this story are USS William D. Porter, the U.S. Navy Destroyer Service in World War II by Gregory A. Freeman, Final Voyages by Kermit Bonner, the ill-fated USS William D. Porter by Kit Bonner, Torpedo, The Complete History of the World's Most Revolutionary Naval Weapon by Roger Branfill Cook. <laughs> so, presidential trivia. Yes. Two presidents that have stared into a solar eclipse with no glasses on. Yeah. Not Bush. I mean, as far as I know. <laughs> not Bush. But Trump. You don't remember those pictures of him? I do, I do, I do. Staring and pointing at Like, right, right before you, you said that, I was like, huh, I wonder if Trump's one of them. <laughs> he was. <laughs> this last one. And then the other one was John Quincy Adams. Uh, he wasn't president at the time that he did it. Uh, he was 23 years old. and Did he write it in his diary? Well, he looked directly at a solar eclipse, and then for five months later, he was still complaining about that he was almost blind. He saw little ring, little dots everywhere he looked. Yeah, and apparently he just couldn't see well. His eyes never fully recovered, and one eye infection in 1815 was so painful, he described it as, if four hooks were tearing... Almost as bad as the time I looked at the yeah. sun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I could describe it, it'd be close to the time that I'd look directly at the sun with nothing covering my eyes. <laughs> I'm sorry, what but he said he described it as if four hooks were tearing that side of my face into four quarters. Oof. The treatment he received was applying leeches to his eyes for hours on end. Ah, yeah, leeches creep me out. Yeah, I don't think they were that. They used them a lot, but I don't think they did that good of a job for anything. Right. For the most part, taking blood out of your body is not the answer. Right. Um, his wife at the time worked tirelessly to care for John Quincy Adams at the time. Mm -hmm. She would wash out the pus from his eyes, read to Ooh. him, and write for him. And so the reason we know that, you know, this was so bad is because when their son, he would like to read kind of like in dim lighting. Uh -huh. She's like, you don't want to ruin your eyes like your father has. And he's <laughs> like, mom, I'm just reading with like a small lamp, not looking at the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also just as bad for your eyesight. To yes, no. Read in dim lighting. T to be fair, Louisa Adams had a point, but he's like, Mom, it's not, I'm not going to stare into the sun like Dad. I'm not an idiot. Uh, I, I, learned, I learned his lesson. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I really wish he would have wrote, it's almost as. <laughs> It's almost as bad as that one time when I looked directly into the sun. <laughs> I'm sure he thought that, but it was like, that's too obvious. Uh, yeah. 
We appreciate you listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you let your friends know. Word of mouth is a big way that uh, we advertise. We appreciate all of you who order from our store. Thank you, Tyrell. And we hope you stay safe. Stay healthy. And until next time, stay, stay weird, weird, America. America.